Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One of the great joys of being an uncle is being able to attend the plays, the concerts, and the recitals of my nieces and nephews, relishing in their performances, applauding for them, beaming over them with pride, hugging them, and then handing them back off to their parents to deal with the day-to-day messiness of their teenage lives. Monday night, we went down to see our nephew McLean perform in Brookhaven, Mississippi's little theater production of Beauty and the Beast. The familiar story is that of an arrogant young prince who refuses to aid a woman, begging for help. The woman turns out to be an enchantress, and she transforms him into a monstrous-looking beast, and all his servants become inanimate objects. The only way for the beast to break the spell is to love someone and to receive love in return. He must accomplish this before the last petal falls from a rose under a glass. He imprisoned Belle, a beautiful, bookish girl from the nearby village, in hopes that she may be the one to help him break the spell. There's a scene in which Belle shares that while she is beginning to like it in the castle, after the changes the beast had made in his life for her, she is worried about her aging father, and she longs to go and care for him. The beast looks at the rose, almost down to its last petal. He ponders for a minute, and then he cries out to Belle, Go. Go be with your father. Go. Seeing the depiction of this selfless act of love in the darkness of a theater where no one could see me, I must confess that I teared up for the first time in a long time, and I felt a little embarrassed that it happened in, of all places, a Disney musical. There was just something about the way this crying out from the seemingly stone heart of the beast moved me from the stoneness in my own heart to pour out tears. In our first gospel reading at the Liturgy of Palms outside a moment ago, we heard that after Jesus rides the colt into Jerusalem, his disciples praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen him do. The Pharisees tell Jesus to order them to stop. And this is a case where the poetry of the King James Version seems to better express the image Jesus wants to convey. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. That image of a stone, a hard, cold, inanimate object, pouring out that which makes us most human, uncontrollable tears, is the image that Jesus selects 
to begin his week of pouring out his passion for us. He was aware of this image from studying and reciting the Hebrew scriptures. The prophet Habakkuk warns of what will happen when we build our houses and our lives on corruption. Alas, for you who get evil gain for your house, setting your nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm, you have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. The very stones will cry out from the wall. Perhaps Jesus is thinking about this image as he foretells the destruction of the temple. In the verse right after he tells the Pharisees about the stones crying out, he himself weeps over Jerusalem. Just as Jesus cries over the death of his friend Lazarus, he cries and cries out over the coming destruction of this city, the city where in a few days he will meet his own excruciating death, as we just heard. One of the verses from Psalm 95 that we have said so often during our online morning prayer is this, let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Seeing God as a rock is a comforting image, especially during these two plus years of COVID. But if we go too far with that image, we can come to see God the way Aristotle saw God, as the unmoved first mover, a God who sets creation in motion and then steps aside. This passion gospel that we just read in parts reveals a different sort of God, the God who endures betrayal, denial, incarceration, and torture. The God who's moved by and weeps over the plight of humanity. Yes, God is the rock of our salvation, but God is also the rock who weeps. We get glimpses of this God moving and working through us. A parishioner going out of her way to take a waffle shop meal to a longtime volunteer who is now a shut-in. Other parishioners offering their vacation home to Ukrainian refugees. A beast releasing a girl to go care for her father. And as we take the time to see these things and to do these things, we get closer to the words of another prophet, Ezekiel, who conveys this promise from God. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Before the lights came up the theater, I wiped away my tears, regained my composure, applauded the cast, especially my nephew, and gave him a big bear hug. But that earlier image of the beast release of Bell that moved me to tears has stayed with me all week. My only criticism of the play is this. What if the beast had not changed back to a handsome prince at the end of the story? I believe Belle still would have loved him. His inner transformation was what she was seeking. What she really wanted to do was to awaken the divine spark that she saw in him all along. 
when Jesus weeps over his friend Lazarus and over the city of Jerusalem, his tears are not necessarily signs of his humanity. His tears are really the ultimate signs of his divinity. They pour out of the God who cares, the rock who weeps. As we begin our walk with Jesus through Holy Week, each teardrop reminds us that every stone must cry. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.